Cigar Thoughts, Game 6. Seahawks throw a sack party, beat the Cardinals 19-9. The Seattle Seahawks used a monumental defensive performance to beat the Arizona Cardinals and move into a tie for first place in the NFC West. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. Before the season started, most people outside of the Pacific Northwest thought the NFC West would be cleanly divided into two tiers. The Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers met in the NFC Championship game last year, and there was no reason to think that they wouldn't slug their way to the top of the division again in 2023. A few brave souls even thought the Arizona Cardinals might poke their tiny beaks into the mix as well. But nobody, and I mean nobody, predicted that the Seattle Seahawks would be right there with them. And yet, despite fielding one of the youngest rosters in the league, a career backup at quarterback, and a, to put it kindly, unproven defense, that's exactly where the Hawks find themselves. But to show that they are worthy of adjusted expectations, Seattle would have to beat a Cardinals team that came in as the betting favorites. What followed was a complete team effort that has eluded them since week one. The Cardinals started with the ball and immediately took advantage of the only thing their offense has done well this year, which is watching Kyler Murray run. On the second snap, Murray took a short drop back, saw a gap to his right, and took off. There is no one in the NFL that runs quite like Murray, and Arizona's diminutive quarterback darted about like Toadstool with a star in Mario Kart 64. By the time Seattle caught up, Murray had covered 42 yards and had his team in scoring range. Two plays later, he hit Rondale Moore, who is somehow even smaller than Murray, for 26 more in a first and goal. Eno Benjamin got a few on the next play. Then Seattle's front strunk Murray out on a keeper for a loss of four. On third down, a shot to A.J. Green fell incomplete, and the Cards kicked a short field goal for an early lead. The Seahawks took over for their first possession, trying to keep their remarkable early game production going with Geno Smith and a surprisingly efficient offense. It didn't get off to a great start, as Abe Lucas started falsely to make it first and 15. The first real play was an incomplete attempt to DK Metcalf, setting up a second and very long. No matter, Smith calmly found Noah Fant on a crossing route for 10, and then, on third and five, Shane Waldron reached a little deeper into his bag. With Ken Walker III lined up next to him in the shotgun, Smith faked like the snap was going over his head. As he did, the ball was hiked to Walker, who shot through a gap in the line, cut toward the right sideline, and then sprinted upfield for 17. On the very next play, they went back to the rookie, who gave us another highlight. Walker broke an arm tackle as he got through the line and planted his left foot in the ground so hard he left a dent in the field. Walker sprung to his right, absolutely crumbling a linebacker with the juke, but he wasn't done. Walker delivered a stiff arm to evade the next would-be tackler, then hopped out of the grasp of another, finally getting pushed out of bounds 34 yards later. The drive would stall when an ambitious jump ball to Metcalf was unsuccessful in double coverage but Jason Myers knocked the short kick through the uprights to tie the game, and it looked like we'd be off on another high-scoring adventure. Nothing about Arizona's next drive did anything to dispel that notion, at least not initially. Their possession would last 14 plays, eating up the rest of the first quarter as they alternated short Benjamin runs with short Murray completions. They used that formula to get the ball back inside the Seattle 30, but the Seahawks' defense would stand strong again. Keontae Ingram carried it for seven on first down, but Puna Ford busted through to wrap him up for a loss of three on the next play. Murray would hit A.J. Green on third down, but Jordan Brooks was there to pin him down after a gain of two. That brought up fourth down, 
and with their recent kicking struggles fresh in Cliff Kingsbury's mind, they elected to go for it on fourth and four. On this pivotal down, Seattle was able to create pressure again, rushing Murray's throw, and Kyler skipped it short to Moore as the crowd erupted. There weren't a ton of highlights over the remainder of the first half, as the two teams would trade three and outs on the next two possessions, with Arizona's hallmarked by a fierce third-down sack from Uchenna and Wosu. Seattle had a nice drive after that, going 51 yards on 10 plays to get another field goal, but I found the way that they did it pretty interesting, and pretty encouraging. One of the things that has always bugged me about Seahawks offenses, and this spans multiple offensive coordinators, is that there are certain personnel packages that have telegraphed run plays. For years, there have been depth receivers whose only appearances seemed to come when the top guys needed rest, and Seattle would simply hand the ball off until the big guns were ready to come back in. On this possession, however, Seattle found themselves in a three-tight-end package with Walker in the backfield and D. Eskridge as the only wide receiver. I thought for sure this would mean a run play, and on first down, it did. Walker would gain three yards, but instead of sending Metcalf and Tyler Lockett back onto the field, Geno went no huddle and immediately hit Will Disley for 12. They hustled back to the line and Smith bound Colby Parkinson for seven more. Walker got a first down with a four-yard carry, then two more on the next one. Smith kept it for six to set up third and two, but Walker would get bottled up and Myers would send another one through to make it 6-3. The next three drives ended in punts, and Seattle was able to muster one last push before the break using a 22-yard out to Marquise Goodwin and a slick 24-yard scramble from Smith to get a third field goal from Myers, and the home team took a 9-3 lead to the locker room on the backs of their oft-maligned defense. I'll be completely honest with you. I think the Cardinals' offense is unwiped butt outside of Kyler Murray's ingenuity, but I still expected the Seahawks' defense to capitulate over the game's final 30 minutes. I couldn't have been more wrong. After a third-down sack ended Seattle's opening drive in the third quarter, the defense kept the juice flowing. The Cardinals would get a couple of first downs on their first drive of the second half, but the paved road turned to mud again as they got into scoring range. A first and 10 from Seattle's 35 quickly became a fourth and two from the 27, and Kingsbury left his cute little offense on the field once more. Just like last time, the Seahawks got a great push up front and forced an errant throw towards A.J. Green that Quandre Diggs nearly picked off. That kept the game 9-3, and the Seahawks took advantage of their opportunity to make it a two-score game helped by a couple of Cardinals infractions. After a four-yard completion of Parkinson, a batted pass was overturned by a roughing the passer call. Smith would find Eskridge for 12, and a couple snaps later, an ill-advised throw to a double-covered Metcalf was bailed out by defensive holding. Walker would then pinball his way to a 21-yard gain, showcasing his rare combination of balance and power as he banked off defenders. The drive fizzled when Smith took a sack on third and six from the Cardinals' eight, but Myers was true once again, and the Hawks found themselves seated upon a nine-point lead. Of course, we knew this game wouldn't go without some drama, and Seattle's trademark silliness would make an appearance shortly afterward. After a bananas 32-yard Kyler scramble that saw him step on every blade of synthetic grass in the stadium, the Cardinals were in Seattle territory for the fourth time this game. Two plays later, Arizona found themselves with a third and six and went right back to the only thing that ever seems to work for them. With the pocket collapsing around him, Murray set his feet and jolted forward for the first down. As he angled for the sideline, Kobe Bryant snuck in with a perfectly placed left jab, punching the ball free where it was pounced on by a sprawling Tariq Woolen. It was Bryant's league-leading fourth forced fumble of the season and Woolen's league-leading fifth takeaway. With a 12-3 lead in the ball, Seattle had a chance to put the game away. But where would the fun be in that? Instead, they went backward at a remarkable rate, running for a loss of two, 
throwing an incomplete pass, and then getting sacked. That brought Michael Dixon out to punt from his own end zone, and hilarity ensued. Dixon took the head-high snap and readied his kick. As he did, the Seattle line crumbled like the walls of Jericho, and Dixon was swarmed under by the breach. Instead of attempting what certainly would have been a blocked punt, Dixon brought the ball down, but he was unable to secure it for the safety. Instead, he fumbled for the second consecutive game, which has got to be some kind of punter record, and Arizona recovered it for a score their offense was incapable of getting themselves. As if that wasn't enough goofiness, the Cards kicker hooked the extra point and the score stayed 12-9. That put pressure on the Seahawks offense for the first time all game, and they responded with their best drive of the day. Smith hit Fant for 15 on first down, then flipped it short to Eskridge, who scampered up the right sideline for 16. Then, on play action, Smith pulled out and fired a strike over the middle to Metcalf for 17. Staying with what was working, Smith went back to the air, dumping it off to Walker for 6, then finding Lockett for 10 more. That gave Seattle a first down at Arizona's 11, and Walker did the rest. After six straight passes, the draw was set up beautifully, and Walker zipped through the left side of the line, breaking another tackle and sneaking inside the pylon for what would be the game-clinching touchdown. All that was left was for Tariq Woolen to pick off Murray's final fourth down heave, putting an exclamation point on Seattle's most complete victory of the year. Smoke Rings The 2022 Seahawks offense looks better and better with each passing week. Lots of ink has been spilled about Geno Smith's performance, and he was his usual efficient self today. Free agent addition Uchenna Nwosu has been the team's best defender and got himself another sack this afternoon. Ken Walker III answered the bell the moment Rashad Penny went down and looked phenomenal as a bell cow back against Arizona. Shelby Harris and Noah Fant, who came over in the Russell Wilson deal, had their best games of the year in this one. Kobe Bryant's coverage gets better and better, and Tariq Woolen is firmly entrenched in the defensive rookie of the year conversation. Tackles Charles Cross and Abe Lucas had a tougher go than usual in week six, but have earned raving reviews for rookies so far this season. And that's not even accounting for the extra first and second round picks they acquired. To top it all off, they let someone else pay Wilson $250 million, creating an incredible amount of financial flexibility moving forward. I don't mean for this to be interpreted as me saying that Seattle is without weakness, or that their strengths can't be improved upon. What I do mean to convey is that the Seahawks are stacking their dominoes in a fashion that makes a return to real competitiveness look much more imminent than many of us dared to hope. I've been pretty critical of Pete Carroll and John Schneider over the last couple of years, but they went upper deck with their moves over the last seven months. Geno Smith was blitzed relentlessly today, and while Smith has been very good against pressure this year, the Cardinals' strategy was effective. They sacked Smith five times and kept him out of the end zone. They forced tight windows downfield, and Smith spent most of the game taking the opportunities underneath. His final line of 20 for 31 for 197 yards, no scores, and no turnovers should quiet the unrealistic but still fun MVP chance, but he did everything necessary to make sure the team won today. He added 48 yards on the ground and went 5 of 6 on the one touchdown drive, trusting his arm with the game in the balance. Nothing about this game changes my optimism about Geno. One of the things Chuck Powell mentioned on the podcast this week is how Ken Walker III's obvious talent with the ball in his hands has been tempered in camp by his struggles with assignments. We saw some of that today. Not in terms of mistakes from Walker, but in Seattle's insistence on using DJ Dallas in obvious passing downs. That's all stuff you can coach up in a player, but you can't teach the electric running ability Walker displays every time he has even a sliver of room. He is a highlight waiting to happen, and he finished with 110 yards in the game's only offensive score on 23 touches. 
In the game and a half since Rashad Penny got hurt, Walker has 185 rushing yards and two touchdowns on 29 rushes for an average of 6.4 yards per carry. He is ready. Seattle's two standout wide receivers have been finding their grooves of late, but they didn't have a huge impact in this one. Instead, the Cardinals funneled passes to the role players, and those guys were good enough to get it done. Noah Fant continues to build momentum, and he led the team in targets with seven, catches with six, and yards with 45. Will Disley and Colby Parkinson shared three catches, while D. Eskridge and Marquise Goodwin combined for five catches and 65 yards between them. The Arizona Cardinals absolutely sold out to take D.K. Metcalf away, either shading a linebacker beneath him or a safety over the top every time they didn't outright double him. And it worked. The first four throws to Metcalf were nearly intercepted, and Smith was just 2-for-7 for 34 yards when targeting his alpha dog. Usually, if Metcalf is quiet, then Tyler Lockett is loud, but he didn't have much say in things either, catching two of five passes thrown his way for 17 yards. Obviously, we'd love to see these two more involved, but it's pretty encouraging to see the offense do well enough without them. The offensive line had their worst game since week two against San Francisco, surrendering five sacks and letting the Cardinals' front besiege their quarterback all afternoon. Still, they were solid in the running game, creating enough room for Walker to excel and paved the way for 130 yards on the ground. Charles Cross was pretty good, all things considered, but Damian Lewis and Abe Lucas had real rough goes of it. Fits and starts. Gonna be this way all season. There's the defense. Ever since their inspired performance against the Denver Broncos, this unit has been nothing more than a punchline, allowing 955 yards and 84 points over the last two weeks, while creating next to nothing in terms of quarterback pressure. Today, however, the complete opposite. Today, they were the defense Carroll and Clint Hurt have been envisioning. They held the Cardinals offense to three points on 335 yards, registering six sacks and forcing two turnovers. They held the Cardinals to an incredible 4 of 16 on third down and 1 for 5 on fourth. A dominant outing that saw contributions from just about everyone. It started up front, as it does with most great defensive performances. Shelby Harris, Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, and Daryl Taylor each had their names called more today than we've heard all season. All four of them registered a sack, with Ford adding two additional tackles for loss and breaking up a pass. They collapsed rushing lanes and showed terrific discipline against a slippery opposing quarterback. The linebackers were great today as well. Uchenna Nwosu also logged a sack among three tackles, while Jordan Brooks racked up 11 takedowns, the majority of which were near the line of scrimmage. Cody Barton hardly saw the field, and for now, that's probably best. How about this secondary? I'll get to the corners in a moment but I'd be remiss if I didn't point out how Ryan Neal is taking control of the second safety position next to Quandre Diggs. Neal joined the sack party with a perfectly timed blitz and broke up a pass at the goal line on Arizona's opening drive. He finished with seven tackles and looks like the guy in that spot moving forward. For as excited as I am about Seattle's two rookie tackles, their first-year corners have somehow been even better. Even when the defense was struggling, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen would each flash in every game. Today, we got a glimpse of what these two can be once they really find their footing. They both already have such a great sense for the football, and that was on display once again this afternoon. Kobe Bryant was good in coverage and is proving to be a very willing tackler, sticking his mug in for eight tackles and, of course, forcing that big fumble on the Murray scramble. Woolen, for his part, is looking like a bona fide star in the making. His instincts are remarkable, and with his second fumble recovery and fourth interception, he now leads the entire NFL in takeaways. 
If what we saw today is for real, watch the hell out. The penalties were much better today. Six flags for 44 yards isn't awesome, but it's a hell of a lot better than what we've seen from a team that came in with more fouls than any other team in the league. Hopefully this becomes a trend instead of just a dip in an otherwise disappointing graph. Just when we thought we had this team figured out, they go out and give us a performance like this. One of the points I try to hammer throughout each season is one that I often forget myself. NFL teams have remarkable abilities to adapt over the course of their schedule, and early season outlier performances often regress toward the mean as the games stack up. As fans, we write our opinions of teams in wet cement, but in the actual NFL, they are written in sand. Trying to win the race to 40 points is not a sustainable way of succeeding at the highest level, but the way Seattle played today sure as hell is. With the Rams winning and the 49ers losing, the Seahawks are now tied for first in the NFC West at 3-3. This season is turning out to be a lot more fun than many of us anticipated. Onward and upward. Pulled out a La Promesa Toro from my father today. If you've been reading the articles for a while, you know my affinity for everything my father does, and this stick is no exception. Slow, smooth, and packed with flavor, this is a terrific standalone stogie. That said, I gave it a pretty dance partner in the form of some Whistlepig Bespoke Blend. This is the fourth year of our incredible partnership with Seattle Cigar Concierge. They have the plug on some of the most insane stogies on the market, and they're offering them to Cigar Thoughts readers for 20% off. These are extremely special sticks, and among the most enjoyable I've ever smoked. To get the hookup, just email seattlecigarconcierge at gmail.com. They are carrying over 70 cigar brands with many rare releases, including Davidoff, Opus X, and Padron. You can also hit them up on Twitter at at Seattle Cigars. Just be sure to mention that you're a Cigar Thoughts reader. Many of you have taken advantage of this incredible opportunity. And for those who have always wondered what elite cigars are like, this is the best chance you'll get to step into that world. 